Just a quick note, we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to let you know about a new network for beer industry professionals. It's called the Beer Business Finance Association. It's an organization of financial pros just like you looking to improve financial results, increase profitability, connect with your peers, and share best practices. So I'd love to tell you a little bit more about this. If you are interested in learning more, please email me, Carrie at beerbusinessfinance.com. That's K-A-R-Y at beerbusinessfinance.com. Or you can visit bbfassociation.org. That's bbfassociation.org to learn more. Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Today on the podcast, we hear from Lauren Frederick, Vice President at Metazoa Brewing Company. Lauren and I talk all about the financial planning process at Metazoa, talk about their business planning process, software stack, financial review approach, key metrics, compensation structure, and Lauren's favorite industry publications and resources, where she turns to for information, favorite websites, podcasts, newsletters, and others. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Lauren Frederick, Vice President at Metazoa Brewing Company. Hey, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you being here. I think this is going to be fun today. So we're going to talk all about finances, brewery finances, and your experience there. But first, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and your company. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my company is Metazoa Brewing Company. We are a craft brewery out of downtown Indianapolis, Indiana, um, with kind of a, a really unique mission. Our central focus is obviously making great beer, but we also donate 5% of our profits back to animal and wildlife um, organizations. So um, kind of a fun philanthropic twist on on brewing, and it's um, something that's definitely been able to, to set us apart. Um, so that's kind of the, the elevator pitch on Metazoa. Um, my name is Lauren Frederick. I'm the vice president here at Metazoa. Um, and my actual education and career background are more focused on kind of the sales and marketing side. Um, so kind of ironic, I'm on a brewery financial podcast. Um, but it's been kind of a wild seven years since we opened. I've uh, My role's kind of morphed into more of a um, you know, overseeing not only sales and marketing, but also operations, finance, um, procurement, things like that. So a little bit of a, um, uh, I guess, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but I still, you know, definitely am in the trenches going on ride with and helping out with ordering and, and things like that. So a um, little bit of everything, but um, currently oversee all the departments here at Metazoa. Excellent. Yeah, it's hard to sort of separate those things, right? You may start with sales and marketing, but you realize, yeah. oh, there's a financial component and then there's this and that. It's all kind of connected. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I know one of the things we're probably going to talk about is kind of the the transition from, you know, really focusing on one department to also, you know, making a company's financial plan and, and planning for some of that strategic growth. Exactly. Yeah. Let's dive into that. I mean, you know, it's we're recording this at the end of September and it's about the time people start thinking about creating the financial plan for next year. Um, 
So how do you guys think about financial planning? You know, maybe tell us a bit about, you know, who's involved in your process, what your team looks like, what kind of tools you use and what sort of timing in terms of when do you get going and when do you try to wrap things up? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say um, as far as kind of timing, I like to get started on this pretty early in the year, usually by, you know, middle of the year. Um, I'm kind of thinking about a handful of things. And um, as far as the players that are involved, really, it's the leadership in each department. So, you know, for example, our sales director knows the volumes and revenues that, you know, he's expected to hit this year. He's having conversations with the distributors all the time of, you know, what kind of growth could we have? What opportunities are worth it, you know, in the coming months and years? So there's a lot of kind of forward thinking in addition to the day-to-day management of um, the numbers that, you know, we came up with the previous year. So um, I would say each department head definitely has a role in the budget, um, but they also are being held to certain metrics and certain numbers that, you know, we all agreed on the previous year. Um, So that's kind of from a, from a department, you know, who, who all's involved standpoint. um, That's kind of the way it has worked. Same, you know, it's, it's like that with sales, marketing, um, our head of a director of brewing um, helps manage a lot of the, you know, cost of goods sold and our raw material costs, that kind of thing. Um, as far as the structure of it, historically, we had always made it look a little bit like an income statement, um, just because managing that on a monthly monthly basis was easier because you could take your income statement, compare it with the plan. You know, they looked alike. You could kind of say, are we on track or not? Um, but actually since meeting with you, we've started to look more into, um, you know, cash flow management and, and the balance sheet and how does that play a role in the company, you know, plan or budget. Um, so it's getting a little bit more advanced and a little bit more complex, um, as we learn more about our business, which has been great. That is great. Uh, and that warms my heart, by the way, that, that thank you. <laughs> I'm a walking poster child. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Do you guys use any particular software or are you sort of taking data and using it Excel or, or other, other forms? I would say it's more the latter. So um, the plan itself pretty much lives in Excel, but I do pull reports from QuickBooks. Um, we use Ecos for our ERP system. So I'm, I'm definitely pulling data from all those different places, but um, I'm a little bit old school in my, in my plan building. So it tends to just be a good old Excel document. There you go. I, I I use that myself. I I've tried to wean myself off of it, but uh, I keep coming back to it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so how do you implement the plan? So so let's a little fast forward, right? So you, you build the plan. You've got your your team leaders involved. You've got your tools. Uh, you got your data. You're focusing on not just income statement, but cash flow and balance sheet items. So once this thing is done, how do you actually think about? implementing it and and communicating it to those who maybe weren't involved in the planning process? Yeah. So a lot of times um, I found that really breaking it down and and letting each member of the management team almost run their own little business within the business um, has been a really effective way to to give them some ownership over the things that they really can control. So, you know, just sending out a budget that shows, you know, every single number for the whole business. I think a lot of people's eyes kind of glaze over and they're not as interested. Um, So I try to almost make a little miniature plan for each of the departments and then send it to their, you know, the leader of that department for them to kind of talk through their team and, you know, go line by line and say, okay, this is how we can impact this number. And here's where we need to be versus where we are. Um, So that's been, that's been kind of my, my method. And I think, 
especially for, you know, brewing teams, for example, that may or may not really want to get into the nitty gritty of the financials, um, you know, being able to say, okay, this is what we're spending per barrel on our raw materials. Now, this is the target we want to hit next year. And, you know, here are the reasons we think we can do that. Here are the changes we're going to make. Um, and kind of getting them on board and excited about that is, is kind of the, the way that I've done it historically. And it seems to be going pretty well. Yeah, I love that. It's I like how you phrase that too. It's like l- let's show folks how you can impact a particular number because they. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, and I think that's. Yeah, I think that's one of the really important things is kind of getting getting everyone to feel like they actually can make a have an impact on on the numbers um, as opposed to it's just you know somebody Lauren swoops down from the top and says this is what it's got to be and you know go ahead and do it. Um, so trying to get everybody to to row the boat together for sure. That's that's perfect. So let's tell me a little bit about you had mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, your background sales and marketing, and then you had mm-hmm. to, to really looking at the finance side. And, you know, maybe maybe just talk a little bit about like, how was it? What did you have to learn? Because a lot of people listening to this are probably in the same situation. We're like, ah, you know, I understand this aspect, but I really don't understand the financials. And you were probably there, you know, some time ago. And what was that journey like for you? What would you recommend for folks who are like, trying to get more comfortable with the financials. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess to kind of back up, I started out, I was our original, um, what I'd like to call boots on the ground salesperson uh, when Metazoa opened. So, you know, we didn't have distributor partners. Um, we were still mostly just selling a little bit of beer in and around, you know, Indianapolis and kind of where the tap room was. Um, so that was kind of how I cut my teeth in, um, in the Metazoa world. And then as we grew and, you know, got to a number of accounts that I couldn't manage anymore by myself, um, that's when we started looking at, you know, maybe adding a sales rep and partnering with some distributors and that kind of thing. Um, at which point the tap room, you know, you kind of have that initial growth in the tap room when you're new and everybody's coming, um, the tap room had kind of hit a little bit of a um, plateau, So our president basically said, you know, we can outsource a lot of the sales to this new rep, to the distributors. Let's move you into the tap room. Um, And that was kind of my first chance to really start understanding, you know, cost of goods sold and how that impacted the day-to-day operation of a business. So yeah, I was planning events and, you know, getting bands in and trying to, you know, maximize beer sales and that kind of thing. But there was, I was learning at the same time, the cost side, um, which whether or not it was intentional, that was very smart of our president to do this. Um, so that kind of got me a little bit intrigued by, okay, well now I'm understanding more pieces of the business. And then as time went on, you know, the tap room started to kind of, um, gain a little bit of traction. I was able to backfill some of the responsibilities that I'd had there, um, and got to kind of step into more of a, a little bit more of a leadership role. So I was overseeing sales and marketing, um, and tap room. And then, you know, the next kind of obvious step was, all right, let's, let's see if we can, you know, roll the brewing into this. Um, and we'd had a couple of changes in our brewing, um, brewing personnel and it, it kind of was a nice time. So started to learn about, you know, not just the basics of the brewing process. I'm by no means a brewer, but, um, learning about purchasing and, and, you know, the differences and, you know, hop contracts versus not, and the pros and cons, of all of that. So, um, that's kind of how, how my journey happened. It was a little bit more organic. Um, but I do think that making a company plan on an annual or quarterly basis or whatever, you know, fits a business is a really important piece of that because it really ties it all together. It doesn't, 
you can't just compartmentalize and be like, okay, well, I'm in sales. So I like to only pay attention to revenue. Um, so it really forced me to understand all the different pieces and how they all work together. Um, so that's, that would be my recommendation is, you know, if you want to understand really all sides of the business, get involved in the, the annual planning process um, in whatever way you can. That's great advice. And, you know, taking your experience too, that's interesting. You started in sales, you went through the tap room and now, you know, v- VP of the whole operation. And, you know, it's not yep. like you can just sort of, you know, parachute in and understand it. This takes time. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something, you know, I, I try to stay out of the brewer's way as much as possible, but, you know, that's the final kind of piece to me of, you know, I really do want to understand all the things that they struggle with and all of the challenges that they face. Um, I think it makes me a better leader and also makes us a better company as a whole. If we have lots of people understanding and and therefore respecting what the different departments do. Um, so it's, it's important to me. And I think it's, it's a good thing for the business. Absolutely. Okay. That's great on the, so that's the financial plan, right? Those, so those are the numbers, yeah. those are the action, how are we going to hit these numbers? Let's talk a little bit about the business plan, um, which tends to be more of, you know, if the financial plan is more numbers, the business plan might be more words, right? It's like strategy and yeah, yep. goals and objectives. What does this look like for you, for your company? How often do you guys update the plan? And and really, how do you think about using it in your day-to-day operations? Yeah, so one of the things that um, we've historically done, and it's worked pretty well for us, we like to have um, kind of a, we have weekly meetings with just the management team, but we like to have a little bit longer, more in-depth quarterly meetings Um, and basically the whole leadership team sits down and we say, okay, you know, in the next six months or the next 12 months, what are some of the big objectives? You know, are we releasing a different package type? Are we opening a new retail concept? Um, you know, do we think there's another state that we want to expand into that would be strategic for us? And and why is that? Um, and then in essence, when, you know, we plan those six months, nine months or a year out. And then when that quarter rolls around, when we have our weekly meetings, we're really looking at those big objectives and saying, okay, you know, we want to accomplish this in the next three months. What are, you know, what are the steps we all need to take? Who has responsibilities um, for each of them? And how are those people going to work together to get that done? Um, What's our timeline, et cetera. And, you know, sometimes we've had these grand objectives that we were all excited about. And then when the time rolled around, something had changed, you know, the pandemic's a perfect example, you know, things do come up or an idea you had, you really need to tweak the direction. Um, and I think that's something that, that we try to be very good at. We're pretty small. So we're always trying to be nimble and, um, make those changes to the plan, you know, just cause we think it's a great idea a year ago, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's a right thing at the, at the moment. So, um, but it's all communicated in those quarterly meetings. And then, each month and, and each week, we touch on a lot of those different um, items. You mentioned, I just want to backtrack. You said new yeah. re- new retail concepts. So you said, uh, you know, talk about new packages, maybe opening new states and then new retail concepts. Yeah. What, do you have an example of that? I'm just curious if I haven't heard that sort of phrasing before. Yeah. So I would, I would consider that, you know, anything from like a tap room to, okay, you know, there's a temporary like pop-up concept, you know, in a, um, there's a couple of buildings downtown that, you know, will allow a brewery to come in for three months or whatever and serve beer. And does that make sense for us? Does it not? What would our um, costs look like? That kind of thing. So just another place to basically go sell beer consistently. 
Yeah, I, I like I like that sort of bucket too, because then it's like because we think about like the tap room, it's like well, you can do different things within the tap room, right? Release new beers and whatnot. But this sounds like yeah. you're taking it outside of your four walls and trying that retail approach in in other places. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's very cool. So we touched a little bit on on software stack, but maybe take us through the different pieces of software that you that you use, and maybe a little bit of your experience with them, you know, like them, don't like them, pros and cons, things of that. Yeah, we're, so we're relatively basic. Like I said, I'm, I'm just an Excel girl, um, <laughs> but we also use, um, I mentioned Ecos, you know, as our ERP system, that's pretty new for us. Um, but so far it's really allowed us to uh, capture a lot of information that is, um, it's nice to be able to reference. And also it allows us to kind of be held accountable over time. So um, you know, on a monthly basis, we're able to say, okay, well, you know, how much was a batch of our house IPA this month versus, you know, four months ago? And are we headed in a good direction, a bad direction? If it's changed a lot, why is that? Um, so I think that that has really been helpful, not just, you know, on the, on the finance side, but also on the inventory side. Um, and then, you know, as, as far as kind of other software we we use to toast as our POS system, um, which is great. We've been with them for a while and have been very happy. Um, and then I, I think the only other thing we consistently use would be something like a you know QuickBooks online um, for just kind of day-to-day financials. Um, a lot of the reports and stuff that we that we use and we communicate with our team come out of that income statements and whatnot. Um, and yeah, we use um, I guess a couple of like event right, a couple event um, softwares just for for the tap room, but we're, we're really pretty, pretty basic, pretty bootstrap. <laughs> Absolutely. What, um, let's talk a little bit about your brewery management software in terms of, you said that was fairly recent. Were you using a different software before or? We weren't, we really were kind of using a, a, you know, random set of different Excel documents. And it got to the point that, you know, we had some turnover in the brewing world and people were coming and going and, you know, the structure that makes sense in my head might not make sense to someone else and vice versa. Um, so we really got to the point where we were big enough and we were, um, you know, purchasing enough raw materials and enough canning supplies and things that we, we were just like, we need to kind of put our big boy pants on and, and, <laughs> you know, get, get, you know, dialed in on um, everything we have and making sure that we're keeping an eye on inventory and things like that. So it was a little bit of a growing up uh, moment for us. But it's been going really well. I think that can be the new tagline for Ecos. Put on your big boy. There thing. you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, did you guys, I guess, just to pick, to, just stay on that topic, because this comes up a lot. I'll, I'll yeah. You know, the brewery owners and operators, and they're like, well, you know, I don't know if we're big enough for, you know, the spreadsheet seems to be working fine. Was there any sort of key things like, wow, I'm glad we did this because it saved us time here or we got insights there or we were having anything come to mind in terms of, a, and it doesn't have to be a benefit. You might just say, oh, it was fine the way it was before. Yeah. I think one of the biggest benefits is like I said, it all kind of lives in one place. Um, that's been a really nice um, feature for us is just having, you know, everybody has a login, they can go in, they know where to find the information they need you know, we're not all calling each other saying, Hey, have you seen this report? And can you send this over? And, Oh, well, that's an old copy or an old version, you know, all of, all of that kind of um, painful administrative stuff. Um, I also think it just really made us be accountable to our inventory. So in order to, you know, make changes to your inventory in 
um, the ecosystem. You have to go in and it, you know, it knows what user is changing it. And, and, you know, there's a way to make notes on, okay, well, I'm removing this from inventory because it was destroyed or, you know, whatever it is that, that happens. Um, so I think that has been really nice and it holds everybody accountable to inventory management, um, which I know has been very helpful on the actual warehousing team, but also for the rest of us, you know, when we're looking at our excise taxes and our sales tax and being able to say, okay, we can track, we can trace when that beer was sold and to whom and all of that. So uh, it's just been, it helped us really clean up our act as far as administration goes. Inventory is so important as we know, right? That's all. Yeah. All your costs of goods sold. It's all your valuations. It impacts yeah. so many things. So it's and it's it's moving all the time and changing form and raw materials and work in progress and absolutely. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, okay, so let's talk about. So we've got the financial plan. We've got the business plan. We've got the software tools that you're using. Let's talk about the financial review process. So you so you've got a plan. Uh, you've got actual results that are kind of rolling in. You know, what does that look like? What's sort of the cadence, if you will, in terms of how frequently are you looking at what actually happened versus, you know, your forecast? And um, how do you kind of distribute that information and who's involved in, in sort of analyzing all that? Yeah. So I would say on a weekly basis, we are talking mostly about revenue or any kind of big one-off spins, um, any big hits to cash flow as far as purchasing goes. Um, at the end of the month, I will pretty consistently sit down with our um, accounting manager and our president, and we'll go through with kind of with a fine-tooth comb, ask questions, drill down if we want to pull transaction lists of different, you know, from different accounts and say, okay, well, this was off. Let's figure out why. And, you know, if it was way better, can we keep that trend going? Or if it's, you know, way worse, what happened, you know, do we need to be shopping a different vendor, um, things like that. So it really, I would say on a monthly basis, we go through with a fine tooth comb, but we definitely touch the highlights um, on a weekly basis in our, in our team meeting. And usually, honestly, if we've touched it consistently every week, there's not a lot of surprises at the end of the month. You might, sometimes you don't like what you see on a handful of those accounts, but uh, you'll at least know why. And, and it's, there's no surprises, which is um, always what we're shooting for. Yeah, just I, I never like surprise. That's sort of my joke is I don't like good surprises, and I don't. I just don't like any kind. Correct. Of <laughs> no yes, one likes exactly. a bad surprise. I don't even want a good surprise. I want to know to your point. Like, so I think that's that's excellent. Maybe we, maybe we pick at that a little bit. Is so a lot of folks that I'll hear from um, will they'll look at. Uh, what happened in a given month, right? Yep. But it's usually well into the new month. So, you know, maybe August closes out and they get the number somewhere in the middle of September. And and now, boy, it's, you know, the month is half gone and August didn't pan out the way we wanted. So what did you, yep. what, what's your sort of approach of looking at it weekly? Like, um, is that, do you have, well, I guess just share whatever your, whatever your, your thoughts are in, in terms of how do you sort of get visibility on a more regular basis. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, like I said, you know, in, or, I'm sorry, revenue is is pretty easy to touch, especially um, from a distribution standpoint. You know, you know what you've brought in month to date or in the last week. Um, we also do a lot with volume um, when we're looking at, you know, how different distributors are performing. Um, obviously, those two things are very closely correlated, but sometimes it's nice to go, okay, well, you know, if 
we've sold a lot more packaged beer that'll do this to the revenue versus it's been a lot more kegs or whatever it is. Um, so we tend to look at both of those as far as the timing to close, um, that used to be a pain point of ours. And again, this was a, a growth moment for me and for the business. Um, we didn't have a dedicated person doing our financials. And since bringing in our accounting manager, um, the time to close has been vastly reduced. I mean, he pretty consistently within like two or three days into the month, we'll have um, our financials sent over, ready to meet, ready to review. So we try to not let too many days tick by um, without, you know, really delving in and knowing what's going on. Um, but on a weekly basis, you know, he can give a feel for revenue. He knows roughly what we anticipate spending um, or utilizing on a monthly basis in, um, you know, raw materials category as a whole or canning supplies category as a whole. And he can say, hey, you know, we're way low. Is something about to come through that, you know, that spin's going to go up? Is it just a slow month kind of? And so we can start to have that dialogue before we see end of month financials. Two to three day close. I love that. You guys. Yeah, he's he's a boss. <laughs> That's the best. It's so important because, you know, it's it like, uh, I mean, the analogy, I guess, would be you know, you're reading a newspaper that's three weeks. Oh, what good is what good is that? It doesn't really help you. Yeah. I kind of yeah. Wanna... We used to we used to laugh that every other month we would know what was going on with the business because it would be you know halfway through that next month you'd be talking about the previous month and those changes would be implemented the following month. <laughs> um, but it's it's been really nice to have it quicker and then it's then it's on you know me and the leadership team to jump on it and say okay what did we do wrong and how do we fix it and what's going well and. How do we keep it going? That's a great point because, you know, it's it's sort of table stakes is getting stuff closed and communicated. Now it's like, good, what are you going to do about it? Because it's, it's exactly really, that's that's you you have to have those fundamentals so that you can do the actual what I would call value add, which is what you just said is where are the gaps? How do we close and what are we going to do differently? Because these are these are the outcomes. These are not the outcomes that we want. Um, right. And the more you can tighten that gap between here's what happened and here's what we're going to do to fix it, you know, you get just a better chance to improve those outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. And and we're lucky to have a small team. So, you know, we don't we don't have to communicate to 500 people who we can really get with, you know, six to 10 folks and, and make some changes. Um, so it's the benefit of being pretty small. Absolutely. So let's talk about everyone's favorite subject, key metrics, key performance indicators, critical <laughs> numbers, call them what you will. Yep. How do you guys think about this? Like what for you is most important? And are you benchmarking against yourself, against maybe some industry data? Or how do you guys think about your key metrics? Yeah, I would say we almost we almost exclusively benchmark again against ourselves. Um in part, that was a kind of an early, um, an early goal of ours was just don't make the same mistake twice. Always look for opportunities to grow. Um, we have a little bit of a unique concept. Um, in order to be super pet friendly and have the dogs inside, we don't sell food. Um, we actually can't even put you know ice in a glass of water. So absolutely no food can be made on site. Um, and that allows us to have you know dogs laying around the tap room and that kind of thing. Um, but as a result, you know, we aren't necessarily able to be compared apples to apples with other breweries that may have, you know, food that they prepare and things like that. So um, I would say in general, we're always really focused on beating ourselves. Um, one of the big kind of red flags is if anything ever looks like it's going backwards. Um, those are things that that become emergent conversations with people. 
Um, so yeah, I would I would say especially from a revenue perspective, a um, you know cost per barrel in various categories perspective, we're always trying to improve and get more efficient and better um, without sacrificing quality, obviously. Absolutely. So let's shift and talk a little bit about compensation structure. This is another <laughs> common question, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> particularly for breweries that are self-distributing or working through wholesale that have outside sales reps. Now, compensation structure is important, I think, you know, for everyone. Like, how do we motivate and how do we incentivize and, you know, and, and all those things. But maybe kind of take us through general high level, how you think about it, your compensation structure for maybe those broad categories of employees. So your outside sales reps and maybe your taproom folks. And then if you have any sort of unique or different or particularly effective incentives that you have for, for anyone, I guess, in the, in the organization. Yeah. I don't know that we are doing anything, you know, earth shattering <laughs> different from anybody else, but in general, we have historically paid out um, our, you know, sales and marketing people, people that are re revenue generating, um, We've historically paid them out based on hitting those revenue or volume goals. Um, but actually another wonderful thing about this podcast, um, one of the you know recent episodes was about incentivizing based on you know gross profit. Um, so that's actually something that we've been talking about for 2024 is how do we tie in gross profit and and again get you know our managers thinking more about their piece of the puzzle as their own little business, you know. Sales doesn't just go get revenue. There are costs to that. And there's, you know, swag that they need. And there's, you know, sponsorships and things that that we want to do and that are great opportunities, but everything really needs to have an ROI. Um, so that's something that we've kind of actually made a shift away from just incentivizing based on revenue. Um, and then as far as kind of the rest of the company, I the way that we've historically kind of done it has been more of a like profit sharing kind of setup. So you know, at the end of the year, we look at how the company's done, you know, what's, what, you know, what profits and everything are left over um, and can kind of evaluate that net income. And then if there's, you know, enough that we can share it with, with the staff, then obviously that's something we want to do. Um, so that's kind of been our, our rough, <laughs> our rough plan. We don't have a, a perfect science though. No, I think that's good. You have an overarching philo uh, philosophy on it, right? As opposed yeah. to, and there's always the details and how you put things together, but I, I think that's that's a nice approach. And I like how you said that in terms of, you know, shifting from you know volume maybe to gross profit. Um, you know, that's a that's a really slow trend for, I think anyone in sales, frankly, because they're like, well, what do you mean? I mean, I, I we're we're trying to grow, we're trying to grow. Yeah. Yes, but you want to kind of grow profitably, and there's ways to grow more efficiently, and you know, kind of leverage. And this is this is interesting too. Maybe going back to what you're saying about using your brewery management software to really identify what your costs are. And, and you also mentioned, you know, your product mix. You know, if you're mm -hmm. package or draft, these can be very, these can really move those numbers. So if you know, as you do, that you've got really different gross profit outcomes depending on what packages you're selling, then you can really create a plan to incentivize your sales folks to 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 grow those numbers so that everybody wins. You know. Absolutely. And I think that's that's one of the things that I think will be in this a little bit of our next phase of growth is, you know, not even just working with our team, but also, you know, how do we incentivize distributors to care about gross profit? And, you know, these these are people that don't work for us. They they aren't part of our business. But, um, you know, is there a way to educate them and get them excited about 
you know, balancing both sides of the, the ROI that they present as well. So um, that's kind of a, a fun challenge that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> I, I think it's a great challenge to chase down because you can really unlock some some nice uh, financial potential there. I think it's, it's just sitting there waiting. So yeah. let's let's talk about, you know, we're, we're uh, constantly trying to learn new things, right? And what are some of the resources? Where do you turn for information? Like if you're, do you have any favorite websites, newsletters, any resources that you kind of rely on for information? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously I listen to your podcast, um, but I also read, you know, things like New Brewer, Craft Beer and Brewing. Um, but I would say the thing I honestly utilize maybe the most is the Brewers Association website. Um, I really like that for even just something that's like a random question or thought. There's a ton of awesome data, um, you know, in that portal as a whole about even like the most nuanced topics, um, which has been really nice. So, you know, if there's some random question that you're like, I don't know how to find this, they're seemingly on, you know, on their online blog or whatever, there seems to be someone talking about everything. Um, so I utilize that pretty, pretty regularly as well. That's great. Yeah. Their forums are good too, you know, cause you can jump mm-hmm. in. I don't know if you've done it, but you can, if you're like, man, I can't find this anywhere. You could pose a question and usually somebody has it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't done that. I tend to just read other people's, <laughs> but I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll think of something that, you know, isn't up there. Um, but it's, it's a really cool community and I, I think it's, it's awesome that it's there. So Lauren, this has been great. A lot of great information. Really appreciate your time. If people want to learn more about Metazoa or get in touch with you or both, what's a good way for them to do that? Yeah. So um, our website, which is metazoabrewing.com, um, provides great info on the business. And, and there is a you know kind of general contact page, um, includes all of our awards and accolades. We, we were the brewery of the year in 2021 at GABF, things like that. It's kind of a general overview um, but I would say to really kind of like feel the pulse of our business, our Instagram is actually a really good tool. Um, our marketing team does a good job of communicating kind of the essence of the company through that. Um, so I would say that's kind of the best way to learn about Metazoa and who we are and what we do. Um, to get a hold of me, my my email is probably the best way. It's um, Lauren at Metazoa.beer. Um, and that's, I I'm, I'm try to be very responsive with email. So um, happy to answer any questions or um, connect. That's great. And I love how you sort of just subtly drop in that you were the 2021. <laughs> I was like, I have to plug it shamelessly. <laughs> There's only 9,000 brewers, but you were number one. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Thank you. We were pretty excited. Well, Lauren, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Great. I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.